What's happening, everybody? On today's show, the Doak Walker Award watch list is out with a ton of SEC snubs. We'll tell you who made the list and who didn't. We'll continue to go around the conference with notes from several SEC schools continuing their fall practice. And today we're going to talk about the Tennessee Vols with Eric Kane of Locked on Vols to preview their 2023 season under Josh Heupel with new quarterback Joe Milton. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college or enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a free white tech hat with any purchase. You will not want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. All right, let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the Around the conference. And we start over at Alabama as Nick Saban praising his offensive line following Wednesday's practice, meeting with reporters, singling out guard Terrence Ferguson, who he said is playing really, really well. Saban said Ferguson has gotten bigger and stronger after he's always had that explosive power and the big body frame. Played in a couple of games last year. Saban said he's very confident uh, in what he's doing, showing a lot of maturity. I look at him as a starter on our team. Saban said he believes there's a handful of players who could be offensive line starters as they continue through camp. He said, we're going to see what best combination is as we go through camp. Seth, uh, Seth McLaughlin, uh, you know, starting center at the end of last year, asked about him. Nick Saban said he's done a really, really good job. He's gotten bigger, gotten stronger. He's always had a tremendous attitude. I don't think anybody's ever going to go wrong uh, with him, he's got the right stuff. McLaughlin played in 11 games last, se- last season, started eight of them. Uh, there was some upbeat good news with Alabama as well concerning their uh, broadcaster, Eli Gold. Uh, he's been battling cancer. He will return to the broadcast booth this season after missing all of last year. Nick Saban asked about it this week. He said that uh, he loves it. He said he loves Eli. He said he's been with him a long time kind of part of the tradition around Alabama with the expectation of being the voice of the Crimson Tide Network. Saban said whether it's the radio show or whatever it is, I'm just happy for his family that he's getting healthy and he is going to be able to be around. Gold has been the radio broadcaster for Alabama football and basketball since 1988. So good to have him back. And in recruiting news, just the day after Alabama flipped a uh, commit for the 2024 class, they added another one, in-state safety Rydarius Morgan, who goes by Red, he announced his flip from Florida State to Alabama on Wednesday. He uh, goes to high school in Phoenix City, Alabama. He is teammates with defensive line commit Isaiah F- uh, Faga, who flipped uh, to Alabama from Utah back in June. But Morgan originally committed to Florida State uh, back last month, and now he is flipping to Alabama. 17th commit for Alabama's 2024 class. And he is rated, uh, ranked as the second safety commit, fourth overall defensive back in this group. The tide flip, Peyton Woodyard, earlier this week from Georgia. Morgan is a, a three-star talent in the class of 2024. The number 54 overall safety 
considered the number 14 player out of the state of Alabama. All right, some fall camp notes quickly over at Mizzou. They practice indoors yesterday at their new $33 million practice facility. Looks fantastic from the pictures I've seen. Former quarterback Chase Daniels stopped by to visit and check things out. As far as practice goes, kick, kicker Harrison Mevis, one of the best in the conference. He has been impressing, making all of his kicks throughout fall camp so far during a half-field seven-on-seven drill. Running back Nathaniel Pete made a couple of nice sideline catches coming out of the backfield, catching them from Brady Cook. And Luther Burden, their big-time receiver, coming down with a big-time catch from Jake Garcia with a defender on his back. Mizzou, they're going to open their season three weeks from tonight, hosting South Dakota. Folks, we are that close. Mizzou and Florida both going to have that Thursday night game in week one. Don't forget, Vandy, they play Hawaii in week zero, so they're even closer. A few other camp notes over at Ole Miss. Uh, they continue their quarterback battle with, of course, Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders and company. But whoever's going to win that starting job, man, they've got some weapons to work with. You know, Quinshawn Judkins making the uh, Maxwell Award watch list after being the reigning SEC rushing leader. At tight end, they had two Mackey Award watch list members in Caden Priestcorn and Michael Trigg. At wide receiver, two more preseason honors, Zakari Franklin and Trey Harris both named to the Bolitnikoff Award watch list this week. And you include in that mix veteran wideout Jalen Knox, who's entering his senior year, and other veterans like Jordan Watkins, Braylon Brown, J.J. Henry, Dayton Wade, uh, a freshman who's been catching a lot of eyes, Aiden Williams and Caden Lee. Rebel receiving core is loaded, and they're trying to get all these guys work. Uh, in fact, Jalen Knox, after practice this week, said, I feel like we've got one of the best wide receiver rooms in the country. We're all on the same page. We're all locked in. We're all growing. We know what we've got in our room. We've got to keep working on it, put on a show when Saturday comes. So, uh, obviously, look, still waiting to hear who's going to be the starter there. We may go into the season not knowing who the starter is, but my money is on Jackson Dart. Feels like he is going to be the guy. Over at Mississippi State, Zach Arnett, first-year head coach, implementing a pair of practices at the South Farm on campus working that into their preseason camp plan. It's an old-school approach to uh, taking their practice to the other side of campus, and it ended with Arnett placing a football inside the two-yard line and declaring it was a fourth and goal and would be a live rep between the first-team offense and first-team defense. State put on the full pads for the first time to close out six straight practices to open preseason camp. Zach Arnett said, put the pads on, picks up the intensity. If it doesn't, you won't find yourself onto the practice field getting very many reps. State will take uh, today off uh, before they return to their regular practice field at the SEAL Complex on Friday. Over at Tennessee, Kelsey Pope taking over as the wide receiver coach last season. And, of course, they had a Blitnikoff winner in Jalen Hyatt. And Kelsey Pope talking with the media on Wednesday was asked about uh, his wide receivers that he coached up. Of course, Hyatt and Cedric Tillman both off to the NFL. And he said, look, I think it's awesome to see those guys going on to have success at the next level but quite frankly that's our expectation you hear a lot of people say things about this offense this and that people make up what they want to this offense helps guys win one-on-one -on -one matchups that league is all about one-on-one -on -one matchups in the nfl things those guys are doing there it's an expectation from everyone in this building uh, we're going to see if that can translate to some of these guys and dante thornton hoping to be one of those guys he's a transfer wide receiver from oregon who's coming over to tennessee and uh 
he has been turning some heads, and a lot of people think that his speed is going to pay off. He was clocked at 24.3 miles per hour during a play at Oregon last season. He revealed Wednesday that he's been mostly working out of the slot, but he has split outside the numbers as well. So what role is he going to fill? Is he going to be that Jalen Hyatt role this season? We will see. But obviously a ton of weapons with Squirrel White out there, Brew McCoy, and uh, Joe Melton. Can he get him the ball? We'll talk more in depth on the Vols here in a little bit with Eric Kane. All right, the Doak Walker Award preseason watch list is out, and they sent out a release on Wednesday naming 75 running backs throughout college football as ones to watch. Of course, we've got Quinchon Judkins at Ole Miss and Rocket Sanders at Arkansas, two of the better running backs in the country, returning in the conference. Uh, Michigan's Blake Corum is on there, Braylon Allen from Wisconsin. But how about this? No Alabama running backs on the Doak Walker watch list. There is a former Alabama running back, Trey Sanders. He's on the list for TCU, where he transferred. No Georgia running backs either. And I don't know, it just kind of stuck in my craw as I was running through this list of 75 names from the SEC. Here's who made the list. Quinchon Judkins and Rocket Sanders, as we mentioned. Also, Noah Kane and Josh Williams from LSU. So two guys there. Jabari Small and Jalen Wright at Tennessee. So two guys there. Uh, Jaquavius Marks at Mississippi State also making the list. But kind of weird. Only seven running backs from the SEC on this list. And four of them coming from two schools. There were 75 names on this list. And so I figured I would throw in. Here's a couple names that I thought should have made the list. Alabama, I would have put Jace McClellan on here. Although I do think the freshman Justice Haynes is going to make a push uh, for next year. We'll, we'll put his name on next year's list. But Jace McClellan should have been on here. Jarquez Hunter at Auburn. Look, I know the you know uh, suspension or whatever he's he's uh, the issue he was having there at Auburn was back in practice the other day. But like Jarquez Hunter deserves to be on this list hands down. Florida. Look, I wouldn't have been mad if you would have went with Montreal Johnson or Trevor Etienne. But in all honesty, I would have put both of them on this list. You got seventy five names. Georgia, obviously loaded backfield, but how do you not put Kendall Milton on here just out of respect for what Kendall Milton is? Again, another guy who's been banged up, but still deserves to be on here. Uh, Kentucky, Ray Davis coming off from Vanderbilt. He was a top five rusher in the SEC last year. And Doak Walker, watch list, they just ignore him. So those are all guys I thought should have been on this list. Um, Other guys in the SEC that could make a leap this year. Missouri, you got Cody Schrader who had, you know, almost 750 rushing yards last year with nine touchdowns. Maybe throw him a bone and say that guy's going to be a stud this year. Uh, South Carolina, uh, I would probably have left Juju McDowell off, but he could surprise this year. And A&M could have made a case for Amari Daniels, Levy, and Moss. Obviously, don't know who's going to be the starter there. And at Vanderbilt, Cedric Alexander, I think, is going to make a big name for himself as a freshman this year. Looked really good in the spring game. But, um, you know, those guys, I'm – I'm not so frustrated that those guys aren't on the list, but, man, the other ones from McClellan to Jarquez Hunter, the two Florida running backs, Kendall Milton of Georgia, Ray Davis at Kentucky. I just – what are we doing, Doak Walker? I think I read they had, like, three different Colorado running backs on their watch list. What are we doing? Come on, Doak Walker Award watch list. Let's get this together. Um, all right, a few other notes here as we continue to go around the conference. Over uh, at A&M, the uh, 12th Man Foundation put out a statement on Wednesday – that it plans to discontinue its name, image, and likeness arm, the 12th Man Fund. 
Following an IRS memo from earlier this summer, the IRS offered their legal stance on tax-exempt NIL collectives and funds, and so they are having to pull back. The decision was made to ensure the 12th Man Foundation meets its high standards for compliance and protect their mission. The decision does not prevent the 12th Man Foundation from supporting NIL opportunities for student-athletes for the Aggies, but uh, they will have to alter their approach in how they pursue things. Over at Auburn, a lot of uh, focus on their schedule. It is a tough one. They play one of the toughest schedules. Hugh Freeze coming into year one with LSU, Alabama, and Georgia all on the schedule. And Stanford Steve joining uh, SportsCenter on uh, – or you know him from SportsCenter. He was joining Greg McElroy and Cole Kublick on Wednesday. And they asked him, can you get behind Auburn over seven and a half wins? And he said no, mostly because of – inconsistency at the quarterback spot he said Peyton Thorne and you know just getting there and considerable roster turnover he would not be taking the over seven and a half but uh, he said getting the nine wins in the regular season probably seems to be in a top possible task playing in the SEC West just thinks it's going to be tough on Hugh Freeze in year one uh, meanwhile Colin Cowherd uh, made an appearance on Greg McElroy's always college football podcast this week and made his national championship prediction he said, first year, Brian Kelly got the offense kind of figured out. Now he's going to get that defense figured out. I have Michigan facing LSU in the championship game. He said, I don't think LSU is the best SEC team. I don't think they're the deepest, but I love the coach and Brian Kelly. I love the quarterback and Jane Daniels. I looked at their schedule, and I'm like, it's going to be a lot of people knocking each other off. I just like LSU a lot. So Colin Cowherd saying, uh, if LSU beat Michigan in a competitive game, that that would be good for college football. He said, I think them dominating and suffocating teams um, will be interesting. I don't think we will see that this year, but we will see. And uh, one quick note before we get to uh, Eric Kane to talk all things Vols. ESPN put out their broadcasting teams ahead of the college football season. A few changes in just what you'll see across the networks. Todd Blackledge left this offseason to go to NBC. So ESPN, you had Greg McElroy with Joe Tessitore. They're taking Greg McElroy off that. McElroy is going to go join Sean McDonough, and they will do the Saturday night primetime game on ESPN with Molly McGrath as their sideline reporter. So Sean McDonough with Greg McElroy, Molly McGrath, Saturday night primetime on ESPN. Saturday night primetime on ABC, that once again is Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, and Holly Rowe. So no change there. Um, one other change we will see, joining... Uh, Joe Tessitore will be Jesse Palmer. Jesse Palmer was doing a lot of studio work the past few years. He's coming out of there, back into the booth. He will replace Greg McElroy alongside Joe Tessitore. Katie George will be their sideline reporter. And, of course, the SEC Network sticking with Tom Hart, Jordan Rogers, and Cole Kublik back for a seventh consecutive season on their primetime game. So that will be a lot of fun. All right, there you have it. That is the latest news going on around the conference. Coming up next... We're going to preview the Tennessee Vols with our buddy Eric Kane. That's coming your way in just a second. Thank you guys so much for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. And guys, I want to remind you this episode is presented to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Look, FanDuel is um, football season is upon us, and we're about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you guys a chance to win all season long. Uh, we told you about this earlier this week, but right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets back every time they win throughout the regular season. So what you do is you go on there, you pick any team to win the Super Bowl, you make a bet, and you will get bonus bets for every victory that team gets. You can use those bonus bets on spreads, 
player props, over-unders, uh, tons of stuff you can do there. So go visit them right now, fanduel.com slash locked on. Start earning those bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That is fanduel.com slash locked on. Go take some time to visit FanDuel and include uh, those money lines, props, all that stuff going on around your team every time they win. FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is the place to go ahead of the start of football season. One of our buddies, we always love love talking uh, all things Tennessee Volunteers, is our buddy Eric Kane, host of Locked on Vols. It, Tennessee is such an interesting team to me this year because this is the, like, fans got very excited last year, the win over Alabama, um, you know, Hendon Hooker having a fantastic year. It, it felt like, you know, Tennessee is back is what it, yeah. it, it almost, you know, but, but here's the danger. Texas did this a couple years ago. Yeah. We're back, and then we saw them take a step backward. Uh, how does Tennessee avoid taking that step backward? You know, um, I, I've studied up on Josh Heupel as a play caller in the SEC and as a head coach the last couple of years, whether it be at UCF or at Tennessee. And just doing the research on, I mean, his, he's had top 10 offenses, you know, leading the nation in scoring in total last year. And, and if you go back all the way to 2018, he's had a couple of different quarterbacks. And these quarterbacks are not the same, you know, types of, types of people. And he's found success with every single quarterback. And so... I don't like having blind faith because I think that's when you get in trouble. But we talked about this on Locked on Balls. If you look at the stats, and even if you go back to his time at Oklahoma with different quarterbacks as a play caller or as a quarterback's coach, the success has followed Josh Heupel. So, um, you know, is Joe Milton going to be Hendon Hooker? No, Joe Milton's going to be Joe Milton. Will that be good enough to get Tennessee where it was last year? Ten wins in the regular season, 11 wins of the bowl game. No, we'll find out, but I have faith the offense is going to score. I have faith the offense is going to score around 40 points, 38, 40 points a game, be a top-10 offense in the league. And and I really do believe the defense, if you just take a couple more steps, took a couple steps last year, play some complimentary football, improve the back end a little bit, and I think this team will win a lot of those toss-up games, you know, on the road at Florida to begin the season in week three, at home against A&M, at home against South Carolina, and then, of course, you know, Alabama and the big one in November. That'll be Georgia. Yeah. Will, will we see more Joe Milton running this year? Uh, it's a great question. Um, you know, that was that was a part of uh, Hendon Hooker's game that was really underrated. They called a few designs, sure, but, uh, you know, if the pocket collapses, just you know, take what the defense gives you. And I think that's going to be a work in progress for Joe Milton because he's not had that opportunity in a, in a while, but it was a big part of what Tennessee did last year. So, you know, we'll see. As a backup and mop-up duty, Joe Milton was not shy. He'd take and run. When he moved into the starting role with the injury to Hendon Hooker, he was very protective of his body. So I think it's just going to be something that grows as the season goes on. I think they'll call some. Uh, he shedded about 10 pounds and, and gotten a little leaner this offseason to help in that regard. But uh, no doubt about it, uh, you know, Hendon Hooker helped Tennessee's offensive line out a lot last year and helped Tennessee's offense out with just the ability to extend plays and take what the defense has given him. Uh, it looked like he had a little bit more touch on his ball. Um, and the, the small sample size we saw at the end of last year. Uh, how important is that for Milton, having a little bit more touch? We know he could throw at 80 yards, yeah. but having that touch where he's connecting with receivers. Well, it's huge because if you go back and look at his stats, you know, back to being a starting quarterback in Michigan, the thing that's always plagued him is completion percentage, uh, quarterback rating. Um, he's not been a very accurate passer. 
and he was not a very accurate passer his first couple quarters as Tennessee's starting quarterback in 2021. Um, but last year he was. And again, small sample size, but I think he completed 65% of his passes. That's easily a season, uh, a career high for Joe Milton. And so if you can get a little bit more of that, I think that's going to be huge for him. You know, he'll overthrow Joe, will be yelled at Neyland Stadium a couple of times this year, <laughs> no doubt about it. But if you can hit on those short to intermediate passes to set up those deep bombs, I think that's the step he's got to take. And, and it looks, well, again, from a sample size last year, it looks like he's taking a step in that regard. I love Bazooka Joe. That's just no, no, no better nickname. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about the rest, the, the other pieces on the offense? Do we feel good about the offensive line? Offensive line, a lot of questions. Um, you're replacing Darnell Wright at you know, number 10 overall at right tackle. You're replacing Jerome Carvin, a four-year starter at left guard. John Campbell coming over from Miami. He's going to slide in and start at left tackle. And then you got the two tackles that played that last year. Flipping over to the right side with Gerald Mincy and J.J. Crawford. We'll see who wins that battle. But overall, Tennessee's got to find a left guard. That's a huge question right now. It's going to be Ollie Lane, a, a longtime reserve. It's going to be Addison Nichols, a rising sophomore. Andre Carrick coming over from Texas. We'll have an opportunity there. Um, offensive line will not be as talented as last year, obviously, but I do think that it's going to be good enough to where it will allow Tennessee to do what it needs to do. Uh, what about the backfield? I know the, the running back, I mean, Jalen Wright, Jabari Small, a lot of those guys were banged up in the spring. We didn't see much of them in the spring game. Where are we with the running backs? Now, the offseason talk is Jalen Wright's going to really kind of break out this year. Um, he's good friends with Jalen Hyatt, and, uh, of course, Jalen Hyatt had that breakout year last year. I'm not saying that it's going to be to that extreme, but um, he's continued to put on good weight, you know, uh, adding the armor, as Jerry Mack says. I think he's explosive. I think he was Tennessee's best back last year, but he just didn't get a whole lot of run, no pun intended. Um, I still think it's going to be a Jabari Small and Jalen Wright sharing the workload. You have Dylan Sampson as well, who looked good as a true freshman. You add to it with Cam Selden. I think Tennessee's running back room, it, I don't think it's going to be the best of the SEC, but I think it's one of the deepest and you know one of the better-looking units top to bottom just from experience alone. Yeah, it's uh, and we know they were – Maybe an underrated running team last year that, you know, Hendon Hooker grabbed all the headlines, but they yeah. ran the ball really well. Well, that's the thing about Josh Heupel's offense. Um, everyone everyone thinks it's an air raid. It's not an air raid. I mean, you know, for, for Tennessee to do what it needs to do, it needs to run the football. And in two years at Tennessee, Josh Heupel's run game, he's averaged 200 yards rushing a game. Right. And so, again, that, that's just um, – they run the ball very, very well. More with Eric Kane in just a second. But first, one want to remind you guys this episode presented to you by our friends over at Bird Dogs. Look – Bird Dogs, they've been making you guys look good all summer long. Hopefully, you've taken advantage and checked out their website. All the great products they got going on there. They got the stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through your thigh and give you that truly sculpted look. I'm telling you right now, this this is what you need ahead of tailgating season. If you're looking to get back on campus in the next couple of weeks to go tailgate and uh, go uh, be in attendance for your team's Kickoff, week one, week two, whatever, it's still going to be hot as the dickens out there. You want to make sure you're sporting your bird dogs. They uh, invented that cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches so you get that waist slumber fit without having to sacrifice movement. Of course, they use the anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all season long. Go check them out right now at birddogs.com. Make sure you put locked on uh, slash locked on college and enter the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. That is going to get you that free white tech hat with your order. It's birddogs.com slash LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. Use the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE to get that free white tech hat. You will not want to take your bird dogs off uh, all season long. We promise you. 
Uh, let's talk about the defense. We know uh, it, there were some good moments last year. There were some bad moments. What? Uh, where are you on this defense? Yeah, again, like I said a moment ago, um, I think, you know, knowing the South Carolina game happened, you can't erase it just because it was so bad. But the defense really did take some steps last year in the right direction. Now, um, the secondary's got to improve. You return pretty much everybody minus one safety. You add to that with Gabe Judy Lolly and some freshmen that you like. Can you be at a point this year to where, okay, we're going to start the same guys, but once you make a mistake, we have faith to where we'll go get you out of that game. Tennessee couldn't do that the last couple of years in the secondary, so that's the question I have there. But linebacker, as deep as that room has ever been, Tennessee's going to play five to six linebackers. You feel good about that. And the defensive line with Rodney Gardner, I mean, those units over his career, they get better and better and better as the year goes on. Uh, Tyler Barron, can he finally stay healthy uh, and do something for Tennessee? And, and replacing Byron Young, that's a big loss up front as well, but Amari Thomas is going to help with that. Who will lead the team in sacks? That's a good question. Um, man, Tennessee's got four Leos that are going to play, and they, they can package it up in pass rushing situations and all that, but you got Roman Harrison who's been there five years, it feels like. He plays a lot of snaps, but he doesn't get home a lot. And then you had the high upside guys, the James Pierce, the Joshua Josephs, and a true freshman in Caleb Herring. All these guys are long, explosive. Um, I think they're all going to play. So I would say it's probably going to come out of that bunch. Uh, but for right now, I will say, um, give me Joshua Josephs, I think, who will lead Tennessee in sacks. All right, we'll look for number 19 there to, to make an impact. Uh, opening, uh, looking at the schedule, it's a fun opener. I mean, Virginia, I don't think, is very good. But yeah. um, it's going to be a fun one. I, I hate that it's already set for 11 a.m. Central, 12 Eastern, like yeah. the early kickoff. But you know, that, then Austin P. those should be nice, good warm-ups before you head to the Swamp. Yeah, and that, that game at Florida is going to be huge in week three. But you're right. you gotta, you got to take care of business first. And you're, you're exactly right in the, in, in the uh, fact that it's a power five opponents. Um, it's not a gimme, but they're not very good. And so that'll be a great warm-up in week one for what's going to be a home game, essentially, just yeah. not played at Neyland Stadium. And then Austin P. And then, of course, that Florida game's a tone setter, uh, Chris. You, you've got – you have a one in the swamp since 03. You just snapped a six-game losing skid you know, last year. You've only beaten them twice since 04. I mean, that's going to be huge for a team in Florida that's down this year. It's truly going to set the tone for the season, in my opinion, for Tennessee. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, when I run through the schedule, I kept coming back to that Florida game and just saying that that feels like it's the, the most important because it's, you know, the implications there. And, and Florida's down. Like, you can't lose to those guys yeah. while they're down. It's just it, it would it would – it would definitely sidetrack the entire season. Outside of that game, what's what's the biggest pitfall you feel? Okay, so you're at Florida, of course. Um, I think an underrated game that no one's really talking about, of course, you know, because of what happened last year, South Carolina, mm -hmm. you know, comes to Neyland Stadium right before that bye week. And uh, you would think, I mean, Tennessee should have won that game last year. Of course, it didn't. Uh, but being back at Neyland Stadium, you, you like the Vols in that one at this point in time. But you have that bye week. Then you have A&M. What's A&M going to look like? You yep. know, is, is is Jimbo Fisher allowing Bobby Petrino to call plays, and is he admitting it to the media yet? You know, I mean, goodness <laughs> gracious. But that team could be a total disaster, or it could be one of the sharpest-looking teams in the SEC by that point. So, uh, And plus, they played Bama the week before, and Tennessee has a bye week, so I think that's huge, a home game. Then, of course, you get the third Saturday in October in Alabama. You go to Kentucky. Those games are going to be truly tough, and all that's leading up to Georgia. So, it's another SEC schedule. There's uh, not too many off weeks. I got crushed by Tennessee fans. No. Because I said 
I think they might lose that Kentucky game. And they're like, we don't lose to Kentucky. I'm like, guys, Kentucky's actually a pretty good squad. See, you got to tote that line. Um, <laughs> I give mad respect to Kentucky because, again, I think Stoops is good. I think they got a tremendous upgraded quarterback. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've been very respectful of Kentucky in the past, but you always got to follow it up with. But again, this is a team that Tennessee historically yeah. has had no issue with. Just like historically, Florida has not really had any issue with Tennessee as well. But, right. but to your point, I think Kentucky, yeah, I mean, uh, questions on the offensive line. Uh, they got to figure that out, of course. Uh, can you get back to being one of the best running games in the SEC? And, of course, I think you just got a whole lot better with without Will Levis and in-steps in Devin Leary. If Devin Leary is Devin Leary of 2021, yeah, I mean, Kentucky's going to surprise a lot this year. Yeah, I mean, I think Kentucky's got one of the most underrated receiving cores in, in the yeah, SEC. Yeah, with Key and Barry on Brown and yeah. Tavion Robinson's back. Yeah, Tavion Robinson, I mean, yeah. It's a pretty good collection of receivers, and those freshmen last year are going to be even better as sophomores. No. Um, of course, the Alabama game everybody points to. It's fascinating, though. Come October 21st, will Alabama have their quarterback thing? They'll have it figured out, but, like, what's that starter look like at that mm-hmm. point? Is he going through some ups and downs, some trial and error? Um, I think it's a good spot. I mean, you know, every all the Alabama fans jumped on revenge game. We're, we're going to stick it back to Tennessee and all that. But, again, like, I don't know what Alabama's going to look like. So a winnable game for Tennessee, but they're going to have to play really well. Yeah, of course, and plus it's going to be on the road. Um, right. you know, Alabama, damn good roster, damn good football team. And, and even if you don't have as talented of a quarterback, you're still going to be good, right? I mean, remember Alabama you know, from the early 2010s? I mean, it's was, it was great defense, great run game, game manager quarterback. And you won national championships that way. It's, we haven't seen that lately, but potentially that could be what it is this year. Um, he just brought in, Nick Saban just brought in one of his, arguably his best recruiting class ever as <laughs> a head coach. So um, I don't believe it's going to be Jalen Milrow. I think it's going to be either Ty Simpson or uh, Tyler Buckner. But you're right, there will be some growing pains, and that game's going to be on the road. But just knowing if you're Tennessee, just knowing that you did it, I think it's one of the biggest things. Like, you you beat Alabama last year. Yeah. It, it is not impossible. <laughs> it can be done. Uh, I think that should give them confidence. Plus, they should be playing pretty well at that point in the schedule, so we'll see. Yeah, finally breaking through and winning that game. Yeah. Got, you know, it, can they make it back-to-back? I mean, goodness. Uh, yeah. Knoxville burned down. Um, <laughs> last thing for you, give me the prediction. What's what's the record right now? You, you can change before the season gets here, but – where do you have Tennessee right now? I could change. Go twelve yeah. and zero. Twelve and zero. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, again, I think the expectation. I, I think maybe we've even talked about this. I think the expectation should be where you were last year, but knowing if you come up a game short of that, it's okay. I mean, you lost. I mean, that's still, in my opinion, that's still sustaining su- success. I mean, you lost Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyde, Cedric Tillman, Byron Young, Darnell Wright. You lost all these guys. And you still get nine regular season wins. I think that'd be a heck of a year. So I think this team can win ten games. I do, but there's also a couple of toss-up games that can go either way. I say ten wins, but if Tennessee finishes with nine wins, I think that's a good year, and I think that further solidifies that Tennessee is back, and it's not going to be a Texas situation. All right, I lied. One more for you, <laughs> Nico Iamaliaba. Yeah, can't still can't say it. Um, how much do we see of him this year? And how much will we get to, if Milton struggles at all, do fans start calling oh. for him? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. One, first, the first incompletion, Gordy. I mean, come on. This is overthrow Joe. This is yep. the $8 million man on the bench, right, reportedly. Um, if all goes well, you're not going to see much of Nico unless, you know, it's a blowout situation, kind of like Joe last year. And, and Nico is a competitor, of course, but he's come in, he said, 
that's what he told us in spring. He was like, hey, I want to be to Joe what Joe was to Hendon last year. I want to be another set of eyes. I want to be a sponge. I want to soak up all these knowledge. I want to be a resource for him. He's like, hey, this is Joe's team. Doesn't mean I'm not competing. Doesn't mean I'm not trying because I am. But I recognize this is Joe Milton's team. So um, if you're a Tennessee fan, hopefully you don't see a whole lot of them. But, yes, I mean, if Joe Milton struggles continuously, uh, you know, depending on where Nico is in his progression, you know, you probably will get a look a little bit. And uh, the the anticipation and the clamoring from the fans will 100% be there. So, uh, again, what does Joe Milton look like in week six, week seven? I, I am so intrigued to see what he can do week after week after week. He is Eric Kane, locked on Vols. Eric, always good to see you, man. Thanks for the time. Hey, thank you. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. Our thanks again to Eric Kane for joining us to talk all things Vols. We'll be back tomorrow. Shout out to our everydayers. Come back to check us out every day. We'll talk more uh, fall camp takeaways as we count down the days. Guys, look, it is three weeks away. We got Florida and Utah coming up. We got Vandy, Hawaii. We got uh, uh, South Dakota versus Mizzou. All that will get us going. And then, of course, the whole Saturday slate into the Sunday night Labor Day game with uh, LSU and Florida State down in Orlando. So there's tons of stuff coming your way these next couple weeks. I can't wait. It's going to be here before we know it. Thank you guys so much for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Once again, shout out to our everydayers. Keep coming back, checking us out every day. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.